We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pod Mavericks After Dark. This is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. We are recording here, though we're also going live. It is Tuesday, April 18th. A year ago today, we were in the NBA playoffs, but not today. Josh, how are you? I would say, yeah, I'm good. I think we're both trying to adjust to being available. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's be clear, like neither one of us, like we're, we're kind of at the point right now where we, we care, but we also don't care to a degree because there's not enough to talk about, uh, in, in terms of like regular day-to-day stuff to where I, when I get out of the habit, I don't get back into it. Like I'm enjoying going to sleep. Um, which, well, I'm trying to enjoy going to sleep. My dogs seem to be, seem to be really against the entire proposition of me sleeping. Um, but you know, watching a little playoff stuff and then not having to have stakes in it at the moment is, is actually quite nice. Um, I'm following every series. I did not watch this next game at all tonight, which was, um, which, which is probably a good call, but have you been, have you been watching any of the playoffs? Yeah. Here and there, you know. Um, I don't think it would have been good form in the, at the household to be like, "Hey, there's no Mavericks playoffs, so you know I'm free," and then, <laughs> and then right. sit at home and watch teams that aren't even uh, related to the Mavericks. The, uh, the fourth quarters of some of these games yeah. have been worth like clicking over for. Oh yeah, like, I've I've been watching. The, I've watched both Kings games. I watched most of the game one of the Clippers game. Watched uh, bits and pieces. Uh, of some of the other game ones as well. Watch the end of the Knicks Cavs game one. Caught bits and pieces of the Celtics and, and Knicks games tonight, but uh, yeah, it's they, they've been some pretty entertaining games so far for sure. Mm, mm. And it's really you know there's there's enough series going on to where I want to root for all of the teams involved to lose. Like <laughs> I was explaining to a, a, a number of my California friends, it's like I, I haven't cared about the Kings in 15 years, so I can't hate them. So watching them succeed against the Warriors is really it's it's quite nice. Now, as we all know, any team you know has sort of the the Cinderella run, and then they become they they can become the villains pretty quickly. But 
you know, watching the Grizzlies fail against the Lakers was, you know, you don't want to see anytime you see a guy like John Morant get hurt, that sucks. But also like seeing Dylan Brooks not be able to succeed. I, I, I enjoy that. Like there's, that, there's <laughs> that like, series there's is like the Alonzo morning gift for you. Mm-hmm. The Lakers. There's the crazy Clippers and Phoenix series where mm-hmm. I can't stand Westbrook. I can't stand Devin Booker. And yet Westbrook blocking Booker the other night and then Booker's whining has been really like, it just, it brings, it brings like uh, seeing him suffer. I don't mind it uh, because Booker, (laughs) Booker, in my opinion, is one of these, he's the superstar who gets the most passes, I think from people because he's so skilled. He's not a huge guy, but he just, he does. I don't know. His whining face Luca gets so much grief for whining as he should, but Booker is just—he's just low key, really, really easy to to hate on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's it's that video of the workout over the summer, right? Where he was complaining oh, yeah. about being like, I don't think it's hard to come back from that. <laughs> like, if once everyone saw that, I was like, oh, okay. If you weren't like a Suns fan, it was pretty. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty funny. But, uh, yep. Yeah, it's been pretty. It's been pretty cool to to watch games that aren't uh, the Mavericks and not have that existential cloud of uh, of dread hanging yep. over us. But uh, this is also the first time we've talked since the season ended. So um, well, we've had a lot of. We've actually had a fair amount of stuff happen. You know, we did not talk. So so Nico Harrison gave a long, lengthy press conference. I talked about that in a live show last mm-hmm. week. You and I didn't get a chance to talk about that. Did, did anything really let, let's let's kind of start there and then we'll work our way up through the news yeah nothing really jumped out to me uh because I, I i really try to not like in general you should not put too much stock in the public comments uh, of a of a front office executive and then you like double it for the mavericks because like nico's not even the guy that's going to be making a lot of this, a lot of these decisions like i saw a bunch of people get mad that he he backed jason kidd and i was like Guys, first off, he's not going to fire him in a press conference, and two, he's not even the one that can do it. Yep. So, like, you, that's going to be that's up to Cuban uh, if he's going to be coached next season. So, it, you know, it's it's a much ado about nothing. Like, I try not to let that stuff. Uh, I try not to get too emotional about that stuff. The two things I thought were interesting: one, basically the same things that he said that they needed were literally copy and paste from his exit interview in 2021 in terms of things that the team needed. So I thought that was just kind of funny. Um, And then I think the second thing that I liked that he said was, uh, I think someone kind of asked him about like the, the fans frustrations uh, with this season and the organization. And he didn't run away from that question. I like that. Yeah. I like that. He he was like, yeah, they should be frustrated because we're frustrated. So um, it's one of the first times I've heard someone important with the Mavericks or involved with the Mavericks kind of admit some fault and not blame, you know, usually when the Mavericks, uh, when public people publicly related to the Mavericks have a chance to skewer Mavs fans in public, it's, that's been the trend lately, whether it's Cuban talking about uh, Twitter people and and the uniform rebrand or, you know, commentators that work for the team kind of dissing segments of the fan base. So I appreciated that he was just kind of straight up and like, yeah, this, they should be mad because we, we failed. So um and even cuban even though his comments weren't great 
that's still the most that he's ever admitted fault, I think, in a long time. Uh, so I wonder if this is going to be a more roller coaster off season than maybe we thought because we kind of considered, well, they can't really do much. So what's going to happen? But I don't know. I wonder if they're going to they're going to shake things up maybe more than we think. Yeah, and that was that was kind of you know, and then it was quiet for a couple of days, yeah. and then we eventually got the news about the Mavericks getting fined seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for tanking. Now they're fined six hundred thousand in twenty eighteen for a much more egregious thing, where where Mark Cuban went on a podcast yeah. and talked about like the the strategic you know thinking and why they should tank, and it was. He was right, but again, it's like, like for the set. The reason they were fined is not because they tanked; it's because they said the quiet part loud. And anyone mm-hmm. that argues otherwise is being obtuse. And I'm not really interested in the conversation. I have had so many people in my life not like you have two kinds of people: people that didn't understand why they were fined, and then people that really thought the Mavericks and like go down swinging, really thinking the Mavericks should have have fought this out, and that's not how the incentive structure works. And all these people, I have some smart basketball friends. I talked to a lot of national people who said, well, you know, Luca's going to, Luca's going to remember this. Luca's going to remember that they did this. So that's really bad. Well, if they had went into the plan or like played it out and then got the 11 seed, Luca's not going to fucking remember that they <laughs> like, Oh, we play. Well, we don't have any way to make the team better, but. Hey, remember when we gave it the old college try and still didn't make the plan? Or if they did make the plan and only to get like swatted, which right. would th- there's just no good outcome. Like I'm sorry, like I know that the 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 plan is like the NBA's baby because it is fun, though it's really confusing. Uh, it's a fun process, but it, it's the, the Mavericks got fired because Jason Kidd said a thing out loud. Mark Cuban probably would have said a thing out loud had Jason Kidd not done it. And it's just, it's a matter of course, they should have gotten fined for being stupid. They weren't going to lose their draft pick. The NBA is not like that. Um, there's just no, like every sport does this. Like I've, I've been listening to football podcasts where it's just like, okay, well this team has no incentive to win. Like it's, it's just, unless you flatten the lottery odds completely, you're going yeah. to get tanked. Yeah, or you get or you get rid of the draft, which is also not happening. right. Um, sure. What's really funny though, like talking about like how to bounce off your point about how Luca's going to remember this. It's like they probably kept up the fight longer than they should have. I mean, well, you could, you could argue that after those two Charlotte losses, I don't think anyone would have batted an eyelash if they were like, you know, okay, that's it, because everyone basically knew the season was over after those two Charlotte losses, like emotionally we kind of felt like the team was cooked, even if they were mathematically still in it and they kept trying. So it's like, it's funny. Like, and, and as they were trying, you know, Portland and Utah and a bunch of other teams packed it in. So like the fact that they, they wrote it out as long as they did, I mean, kind of, I think goes against some of these points people are making about how, like how embarrassing it is for them to give up. Like, it's just, it's just weird to me. Like it's two games and they didn't, you know, they didn't control their own destiny and Oklahoma city won. So they weren't making the plan. Like it, it wasn't happening. There's no hype. Like there's no what if they they weren't going to make it. There was a report by my friend Kevin O'Connor on on FanDuel TV where he said that he had been told that the Mavericks had discussions about tanking in late March, and that Kyrie and Luca were not interested in it, and so they kept playing hard. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. Let's let's just go through the schedule, team. On Friday, March seventeenth. 
the Mavericks beat the Lakers on Maxi Kleba's whirlwind three-point shot. The Mavericks would go on to win two more games the rest of the season, one against the Pacers, one against the Kings. So whether or not they entertain tanking yeah. ultimately doesn't matter because they've lost anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that like there are all sorts of people, ah, Kevin doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm not really interested in, in the veracity of Kevin's reporting in this instance. The Mavericks sucked. They lost. Yeah. Sorry. So you don't yeah, they they had plenty of chances to make those final two games uh matter if they wanted them to. Uh, mm-hmm. so like we said, they lost those two. We knew the season was over when they lost those two Charlotte games. So yep. anyone yep. that wants to cry wolf now is just you know, it's just being pedantic, I think. Uh, yeah, then that that's that's correct. Then we had one more piece of news which happened yesterday. Uh Mark Stein, and you wrote this up, so you're probably the better one to talk about it. Mark Stein yeah. put out a, a piece that that the Mavericks are are on the cusp of hiring uh former Utah Jazz general manager Dennis Lindsay. So why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, so it looks like he's going to come into the front office as a consultant to Nico Harrison. Uh, that's according to Stein. Um he was the GM of the Jazz from 2012 to 2021. In June of 2021, oh gosh, in June of 2021, he transitioned into an advisory role. Um, coincidentally, that came after the Jazz uh, lost in the second round after having the most wins in the NBA uh, in the 2020-2021 season. Uh, they were 52 and 20, and you remember the league didn't only played 72 games, so uh, they were, you know, it's 52 wins, but they were, you know, that's like a 60-plus win team if you would have. Uh, equated that win percentage to 82 games. So they were really good, lost in the second round. Uh, they never made the conference finals while Lindsay was GM, despite the fact that they were a pretty, like they were like consistently a top four team in the West uh, right. from, you know, for most of his uh, rule. So, so yeah. So after that flame out in the playoffs, he transitioned to an advisory role. Also probably didn't help that earlier in 2021, he, a former player, accused him of racist remarks um, that the league investigated and said uh, they couldn't find any evidence that it happened. And Lindsay, of course, denied it. Uh, and Quinn Snyder, who was supposed to be in the conversation as well, said he didn't remember it either. Um, so I have to imagine that story combined with the playoff results, uh, they were probably ready to to move on. So mm-hmm. you know, They just didn't need any more reasons. Um, he's an inter- in terms of just judging his basketball work, he's interesting because he did build those jazz teams that were pretty good. He drafted Jonathan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and he made those teams that, you know, Joe Ingles, uh, and training for Mike Conley. But if you talk to some jazz fans, you know, he also had a lot of misses in the draft after they drafted Mitchell. Um, uh, I can't remember who their pick in 2020 was, but apparently they had him really high on their board and he like, doesn't play um, their 2020 draft pick. And he signed Rudy Gobert to that crazy long contract. You know, they traded a lot of assets to get Conley and they still couldn't get over the hump. So uh, he's kind of got a mixed bag uh, in terms of his GM resume. Um, Before he was with the jazz, he was an assistant GM from 2007 to 2012. So assistant GM with the Spurs. So (laughs) being part of the Spurs front office from 2007 to 2012 where the Spurs, I think won like two, I think they won at least two titles. Uh, if I'm remembering off the top of my head. Um, yep. so 
talking to some like jazz blogger, like seeing some jazz bloggers react to this news. A lot of them think that he gets a lot of rope because of he was part of the Spurs organization when they were really, really good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who knows? You know, you know, he's... (laughs) Hey, he's, his track record as GM with the Jazz last five years is better than the Mavericks front office track record the last, the well, last like five or six years. So I don't know. I mean, it could help Nico. I mean, he's a consultant. At the end of the day, it's hard for me to care because we know the structure of this front office. So it's like yeah. maybe he helps with like some cap space, like some some more intricate, detailed things that Cuban's not going to necessarily pay mm-hmm. attention to. But otherwise, I just don't see this as moving the needle one way or another. Other than the fact that they're like, hey, we have to change something. See, and that's, and I'm not sure like what change something means because one of the things before, so the previous regime, Donnie Nelson was obviously GM for a very long time, but Geralba Vulgaris was at first an unofficial advisor and then became anything from a shadow GM to a person that was like, it's essentially that like Mark Cuban's little finger. I don't know really what, what we want to call him. Um, one of the things that I think our fan base doesn't entirely understand because it has been this way for such a long time is that when it comes to decision-making processes, Mark Cuban is the most involved owner by a wide margin, like wide margin. He is involved in, in everything that they do. And that makes these sorts of, of hires difficult to ascertain because at the end of the day, they do what Cuban wants. Whereas with, let's just say the heat and Mickey Erickson, uh, I think that's the last name, Arison, whatever the, the guy who runs, who owns all the cruise lines, like, Team officials, you know, the GM basically runs things and gets the blessing of the owner. I'm going to do this. For example, you know, I don't know, depending on what your work situation is like, you, know, you might have the kind of manager who you tell, like they let you operate and then, you, you know, they'll, they'll correct you from time to time or tell you what they want differently. But like most GMs are, uh, most team runners are, are, are uh, team owners are not intimately involved in the decision-making. They're the money men. Yes. <laughs> And so it's it's hard because, you know, Lindsay could be the greatest, smartest guy in the world, and it would not matter if he and Cuban don't see eye to eye. 
And that is what makes some of this stuff so difficult because Mark has to wear all of the decisions at the end of the day. That's why he got so frustrated about the the, the Rick Brunson thing and, and fired his mouth off and, and those sorts of things because he knows it. He knows it. And it, it sort of defangs everyone else in the organization, whether it's Michael Fenley, Nico Harrison, Jason Kidd, the cap guy, whoever. Mark is the guy that has to has to you know deal with all of this, uh, the both the the consequences and the accolades. And I wonder how you know. I think when he was involved in the organization in the in the two thousands, this was his main thing. He loved doing it, and the, frankly, the, the rules were different, and so he was able to spend and do more. And now, I'm just not sure how much it matters whether Lindsay comes in and wants in wants to assist with certain things because number one, Mark exists and will be the, the final decision-making man. And number two, they just don't have a lot of options. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe that's, he helps with some of those smaller moves, you know, I don't I mean, I don't know. He doesn't technically his, if he's a consultant, he doesn't have any power. Like he's literally just, a guy there to bounce ideas off of. So, I mean, I wouldn't really expect much influence one way or the other, uh, even if Cuban wasn't there. So, um, you know, there's only so much, so much they could do, but right. I mean, I'm- part of me thinks is, is like putting lipstick on a pig. Like, are they just trying to publicly be like, Hey, look, we're, 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 we're shaking things up because this was so bad. And this is the most heat they've had on them as an organization since, Man, I guess maybe like after they flamed out against the Warriors in 2007, like I, yeah, I, I think so because 2008 to 2010, the Mavericks were kind of a quiet afterthought. Yeah, right. You know, the the internet wasn't like how it was today. Dirk was kind of in his okay. Well, I guess this guy's just going to toil in obscurity. They're going to win 50 games but not be able to do much. That was, that was sort of where they were. And you know, if if I had a wish for Lindsay. It would be the difference in you know one of the things that I think is a fixable problem with the Mavericks, like immediately, is they have to care about roster spots ten through fifteen. Yep. They just have to. They that there's no more of this. You know, you're gonna hit, you're gonna take swings and misses. Okay, but Frank Nilakino was not an answer, and we knew that coming into the year, and yet they insisted he would be part of the rotation. That's not on Frank. That's him. Or um, yeah. that's Cuban. That's all of them. So it's if if we could just correct that and provide some padded depth, then I think the Mavericks are going to be a little better next year. Because I like to to kind of wish cast what I think is going to happen. The most likely outcome, and as I see it, is they they keep their tenth pick because they have an eighty percent chance of that uh, of staying in the top ten. And then I think they re-signed Kyrie Irving to like a four year deal that's more than we want to pay, but it's less than he wants to make. You know, it's like a, a happy medium. Uh, and then they come into the season and they've padded the roster with either, a, you know, they, they move off that pick or they draft somebody that can play right away. And I do think there are guys that can do this. We'll talk about that much more down the line as we get later in the summer. But I, I just think if you could do that, the Mavericks could win. You know, they had a lot of bad bounces this year. They were within range. Like they could have won five more games just on the bounces. So. All right. Yeah. It just depends on how much they want to you know, mix things up because they can't, you know, they don't have a lot of assets and they don't have a lot of cap room, but like the 10th pick, if they keep the 10th pick 
plus they can trade one, I think 2027 this summer. Like that's Mm not nothing. Like either you can get a a starter or a rotation guy with that 10th pick. You can trade that 10th pick for a starter or rotation, you know, starter or rotation guy. And then they can trade that other pick for another guy, or they can combine them for like a third guy if they really want like someone really good. So like, you know, they can't come into next season, you know, rolling out the Kyrie, Luca, you know, Bullock, Maxi, and then maybe one of like, I, I, you know, they need to, to get off this core of THJ and Bullock and Maxi. It's going to be hard for them to do, but like they need to, if like I had to set a goal for them, I would think they need to acquire two starting level players that are new to the team that can, that well, can start. And that gives us kind of a soft transition to talk about, you know, we were going to talk last night, but then mm-hmm. we just decided not to. It's a lovely part about the off season. Um, we really appreciate everybody who is here. Go ahead and like the live stream guys. And if you are new, please subscribe. Please tell your friends. We're inching closer to a thousand subs. We're at just under 900. If we could somehow get to 900 tonight. That would be incredible. Um, Let's see here. So that 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 gives us kind of a you know you wrote a column that that had been rattling around in your head. I'm going to post it in the chat. If anyone hasn't read it, you should go do so. If you're listening on the podcast the next day, again, go do so. Please, um, let let's talk about your column a little bit because there's a lot there. I had a, I had a good time editing this. This was it's it's a it's a, it's taken apart the Mavericks bit by bit and before you start I, I do want to make note we've got some really wonderful and funny comments on the YouTube channel lately one guy in particular I really appreciate he listened to it he listened to it later and I could tell he was like leaving comments as he was listening to us one thing that he emphasized over and over and I I can't remember the guy's name but it was beating the Mavericks to death sort of and Luca really for it's like Luca being in shape, Luca not whining, Luca doing better in the things that are within his control, really, really solves a lot of their problems. So I wanted to, before you talk about your column, I wanted to note, first of all, that I do agree with that. But I also think once you sort of, if you look at what the Mavericks have done with the other pieces for the past three to four years, We've gotten so used to accepting their mediocrity. <laughs> and I like reading your comments, like I knew this stuff, but then you see it all in one place and it's like, oh my God. So anyways, I'll, I'll let you take the floor. Yeah. I mean, it's something that uh, it's not a new idea. And I wrote something similar. I think when they lost to the Clippers uh, in 2021, uh, Rick's last season. And it's been easy to kind of, I'm, beat this dead horse because the roster hasn't changed. Like the problem has persisted since Luke has been drafted. And again, it's basically this idea that they have just been attached to this 2019 core of dudes that aren't good enough. And, you know, the thing that really, I think made it apparent this season was, you know, they traded Dorian and they traded Spencer and there was some hand wringing about losing, especially Dorian. And I understand that from like, the off the court stuff and the emotional stuff and leadership and that kind of, and like Luca's buddy, like that's the stuff I don't want to argue. Like, you know, I, I can't argue that. Like that's, that's obviously something that matters and, but, and it's not quantifiable. So it's tough for me to put a value on that other than it, it obviously mattered. But in terms of just like 
the basketball on the floor. Like those two guys, as soon as they left the Mavs, they just, they did nothing. I mean, Dorian's shooting plummeted to the third, like low thirties. He was shooting like 43% on twos. He was averaging like six points, six or seven points a game. You know, Dinwiddie's three point shooting went from 40% to 29%. That's incredible. Uh, (laughs) And his, you know, it, it just goes to show that like, like you said, we didn't re- you know, it's hard to realize it because like Luca just covers up so much and his ability to be like the best three point shot creator in the game. He's able to turn bad or, and mediocre shooters into good and great ones. And you kind of forget about like, it, you see Dorian shoot 38% uh, since Luca has been a major starter on from three. And you're like, Oh, that's great. Cause that is a good number. And then you have to kind of rewind it and think, oh, wait, that's 38% on the most wide open shots in the NBA. Like he got the, and, and it's not an exaggeration. No, guys. that's according to NBA tracking data. You know, I didn't have that in the column because I think I didn't want to bog it down too much. But if you look right. up NBA tracking data that, that judges open shots, like the Mavericks role players are like at the top of that, like they crowd that list. Of it was like Bullock open- and, and Dorian that had the most open threes. They, yeah. they were two of the top three guys. And yeah. so it's just, it's really difficult to, to, cause we watch like, look, all y'all, the folks that are in the chat that are watching the playoff games, I think y'all are heroes. Cause I, I just, I need a, a little bit of a break from the NBA. <laughs> But by and large, the casual fan is not watching other teams. And it's it's really something to 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 see these stats. Like obviously small sample size, but do, Spencer before coming to the Mavericks was a terrible three-point shooter. <laughs> yes, he was like career. in the high 20s, low 30s, yeah. and he had a lot of volume because he was a you know, that uh, compare, you know, he's been in the league for quite some time. Uh, and then to see him rock it back down to 29% is truly crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it just goes to show like what the talent level the Mavericks have compared to other guys. And it's like the Mavericks have had this, this like mantra since Luke has been drafted to like, I've said this before, they kind of want a money ball in terms of like, they want to find diamonds in the rough that they don't have to pay and save their money for stars like a Kyrie. And he's the first one they finally got and they struck out on everyone else. And in their mind, it's like, I'm not going to pay a lot of money for this role player when we can find this guy who can kind of do it just as well, because we have Luca. So why would I spend this much money on this really great shooter when I can spend a fourth of that on a Dorian or on a Reggie and they're going to shoot a good percentage because we've got Luca. And the answer to that is, well, you're just like, you can only carry that so far because of the NBA, you can't escape the talent. Like underdogs don't win in the NBA playoffs. This isn't no. March Madness. No. Like seven game to to win four seven game series, like you the better team almost always has to come out on top. Like I, I don't know what the stat is, but like I don't when was the last time a team that was outside of the top four in their conference it's won an NBA three. title? Or it top is three? like the Mavericks in yeah. 2011 were one of the last one. It's it's really nuts. It's why it's I don't understand why more teams don't care about the regular season because it's just you see this over the course of time. Yeah. And I I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, in chat, uh Angel says uh um he said the Luca ends up taking a lot of the heat. 
because of his body language and because he's you know just so demonstrative but he's part of he's he is why the Mavericks have been so competitive in in the first place and and I think that's an important thing to make a distinction to make because yeah. Luca can come into shape or come into camp in shape and be the best player he can possibly be and the Mavericks might win four more games maybe with the it- roster maybe and maybe not even that like they have to make wholesale changes and the Dallas Mavericks as an organization have been so intent on marketing that they know what they're doing that it becomes you know not to be too ridiculous but it's it's sort of orwellian in the sense of where you just get hit up from every angle about how smart they are and then at a certain point you're like yeah sure yeah they know what they're doing this is great whereas the reality has been they have been blessed with two of the best superstars of the lat you know in nba history like just being quite candid about it and superstars cover up a lot of your challenges but then that means you have to figure out the margins better. The Mavericks did that in 2011. They got lucky. They tinkered and tinkered and tinkered. And that's what doesn't make sense about this, this you know, the roster from 2019, basically March of 2019 on, has been just so similar. And they've sort of painted themselves into a corner. Like, I don't see what they do here. Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to be frustrated from a fan sense, but I also have no idea what they can do differently. Yeah, I don't know. And like I I kind of some like there's two main things in the column. It's like one, like every like athleticism based stat, they were mm-hmm. awful. They were like in the bottom third of the league. You know, they were 22nd in forcing turnovers, 29th in steals per game, 26th in steal rate, 29th in deflections per game, 28th in blocks per game, 27th in block rate, allowed opponents to shoot 29 uh, percent not shoot uh they allowed opponents to have a 29 percent free throw rate that was 27 um they were last in offensive rebound rate like and these are all things that, like if you have better athletes you're usually better at and it's just like they're just such a floor bound team that almost every other team they matched up with could run uh faster and jump higher and it's like that's why they could only win games when they outshot their teams from three by a bunch because that's they were a one-trick pony that was it and it's like like Dwight Powell is ninth all time in in Mavericks uh, franchise history in games played. Um, mm-hmm. Dorian was fourteenth, and if he didn't get traded and finish his contract, he would be in the top ten. Um, Maxi is in like the top twenty, and if he finishes his three years here, he'll be near uh, near near ten. Tim Hardaway Junior. has been here four and a half seasons. He's going to be in the top fifteen if he finishes his contract, and like. He, I can't imagine. And you look at all the other names on that list, and it's like all the guys from the finals teams, uh, from the championship team, and then all the guys from the 2000s, the mid 2000s era where they went to the finals and they won 67 games in 2007. And then the rest of it is guys from uh, the the late 80s teams that went to the Western Conference finals and they were a really good team, too. And it's like, it's, it's I, and then so it's like, how can the next set be guys like, They've missed the playoffs twice with Luka Doncic on the roster. First one is okay. He was rookie year. But still, that's twice in five years. And then the other two, two out of the other three, they lost in the first round. And it's like, why are they so attached to this core? It just it just drives me nuts. So, like, I wonder, you know, I don't think Nico or Kid partic- are, are attached like I think Rick and Donnie were beforehand. Of course, it goes back to Cuban. So, you know, you talk about what can they do? Well, it's like Tim 
Timmy, I think, rebuilt his trade value a little bit enough to where I think maybe those teams that were offering him contracts when he was afraid in 2021 might still be interested. Like you can probably move off of Timmy. Maybe you can move off of Maxi. Like his his deal um, is relatively cheap for theoretically a big that can shoot and defend. Although he he looked so bad after he came back from his hamstring injury, which is kind of understandable. You can let Dwight go. You don't have to bring him back, um, mm-hmm. even if it's a one year minimum deal. Like I heard a lot of people were like, like you're not a you know you're just being ridiculous if if you think Dwight coming back on a one year minimum contract is bad like and and I, mean, I understand in a vacuum they'll start, yes they'll yes. start him yes it, it, you have it, to take away a, the safety blanket you know i wanted to i wanted to rewind just for a moment yeah, because sorry, in your list of it, no no this is great this is what i wanted this is i hope people under understand just how bleak it is and to kind of to kind of top it off in Josh's list of stats if you were to like list them out <laughs> The Mavericks are, there are 30 teams in the NBA in 15 different stats. The Mavericks were bottom five of the ones. This is just the ones he listed. Bottom five. So to the point earlier, there's someone, um, I think it was Thomas in the chat saying, you know, Luca doing what he does is so frustrating and, and demoralizing to watch when things aren't going his way. I agree. It's a chicken and the egg discussion, though. What comes first, Luca pouting or the Mavs being absolute ass at all of these things? And I don't. Not all the defense is on Luca. That <laughs> like it's a team building thing. Like some of the pace stuff is yeah okay. There's some of these stats you can look into them and be like Luca plays a pretty significant point into this. And I I would agree, I would agree. But you just have to do better with better players. I mean, you go through these playoff teams in the first round. You guys are all watching this 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 stuff tonight. I can tell from from the chat. If you were to go look at it, you know the let's say everything outside of um, maybe the one eight matchups on both sides. Who outside of Kyrie and Luka Doncic would play significant minutes for any of these teams? Is there anyone that was on the Mavericks roster when they closed the year? The answer is no. That's not to say they don't have useful pieces, but for the better part of four years, Josh and I have been talking about how every single Maverick is playing one to two positions higher in the pecking order than what their talent actually would allow for. You wrote up, you know, you talked about like, this is, you, you skipped over a, a part and I'm, I'm looking for it in the column. Cause it's about, um, it's about Kyrie and how well he played in the relation to this. So where did that go? go you said <laughs> this is this is the, the the Kyrie like where is this why can I not find this it's your part about Kyrie basically if he would have played the entire yeah. with the Mavericks I've got, I, do you want me to read it no I found it okay if Irving had played a full season in Dallas he would have set a career high in true shooting percentage and a career low in turnover rate a career high for Kyrie Irving, who has won an, an NBA all-star. championship as an all, all-star, three-time all-NBA selection, would have had one of his most efficient statistical seasons. And then you end with this line where you say, this is what Doncic should be doing, amplifying great players to be their best instead of spinning hay into gold. And it's just, we I mean, we know this, but it goes back to an element of what I've heard discussed about Cuban in particular, not necessarily the Mavericks, but Cuban in particular, is that he values 
the 1A player, the tier 1A, your Luka Doncic, your Giannis Antetokounmpo, your Nikola Jokic, your top seven to top 10 NBA players. And then after that, really doesn't value players, doesn't value the second tier superstars, doesn't value your Harrison Barnes, your your C tier players, whatever you want to rank these guys. It's bargain bin guys and it's superstars. And that's what that's what I've been told Cuban values. And when you go look at the roster construction from when they got Luca, that seems to hold. And yeah, it's, it's very it's that, it's that stock market tech guru mm-hmm. brain of like why why would I overpay? Like I'm smart enough to to get this for cheaper. Like I, why would I pay 25 million a year for the third best player that can play defense and hit threes when I can, you know, get a Dorian Finney Smith, who's an undrafted free agent that can do the same thing. And it's like, it's not the same. It's just, it's just not the same. It's like, it, it can only take you so far because then you go against teams that have those talented players that have an Aaron Gordon as their third best player that have, yeah. um, you know, a Malcolm Brogdon coming off the bench, you know, uh, that have a Marcus Smart uh, as like their fourth best player. That have you know uh, Drew Holiday as the third best player. You could argue uh, in Milwaukee. You know whether it's it's Holiday or Chris Middleton is their third best player. Like they would be one of the best Mavericks uh, in the last ten years if they were on uh, this team. Uh, it's just you, you just you look at the top four in each conference and it's just. Just no comparison. Like you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and their four best players are Donovan Mitchell, uh, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and and Evan Mobley. And it's like, okay, Luca, Kyrie, great. And then it's like Mobley and Jared Allen would be like the two most talented guys the Mavericks have had outside of like Luca and, and and Kyrie. And it's just, you know, it's just tough. And that's why I really want them to, you know, it's kind of why I want them to keep the tenth pick because I just really want youth and athleticism and i want them to build a core around luca i'm really scared they're going to trade it for someone who's like 33 um but that's another conversation down the road yep which we'll get to we have a long we have a long you know this is the first time you know we we've kind of been in this position uh since luke's rookie year and you and i weren't podcasting during luca's rookie year like we were now (laughs) um okay well this has been a a productive uh use of 40 minutes thanks for the folks who are who are in here i think kind of schedule wise you and i are going to aim to talk one time a week minimum maybe more depending on what's happening uh you know we're we have a lot of regular content coming up mavs money ball we'll frankly talk about some of that in the broader conversations here um i'm going to be hosting a live show i think the next one i'm going to do is thursday night I don't know if I'm going to do it early or late. Some some user, some listener, uh, viewer feedback would be appreciated in that regard because I can kind of do either. Uh, I can do, you know, 7, 8 o'clock at night. I can do 10, 11 o'clock at night. It, it really depends. I think as the, the off season goes on, I'll probably try to do the occasional Friday live show during lunch like I used to do a couple summers ago. Um, but I'm not, you know, I don't want to oversaturate I've been, you know, I was like, I was listening to, um, to locked on Mavs today and he had on a guy that I want us to talk to at one point, um, Barlow, uh, you know, talking draft stuff. And 
I can't emotionally attach myself to the draft just yet. I'm going to have to because we run a content site, but, you know, it, it's really something. Um, we kind of have a, a a pre and post lottery, you know, fork in the road plan and discussion. So we'll, we'll be figuring out what we're going to do from there. You know, we'll probably like the off season content plan is to cook straight on through free agency and summer league. And then after summer league, which is mid July, probably take a more significant chunk of time away, even though I, I say that and I'll just be unable. Um, maybe we'll use the summer to, to do some, some talk about some guys. Cause like, I, I really want to talk about like, Josh Howard just to, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's been it's been in my head lately um how awesome would Josh Howard like prime Josh Howard be next to Luca <laughs> man I love it I love it and you guys in the chat I really appreciate you hanging out here sorry that we bumped some stuff around uh be looking yeah lottery's May 16th thanks Joe that's rough that's 30-ish day under 30 days um I'm pretty sure just let me go look at the calendar here I looked at this the other day okay that's a Tuesday that's good I can do Tuesday um if it was on I I thought I I had some some worry that I wasn't going to be able to see the lottery because like my kid has baseball in the evenings like that'd be just classic I wouldn't be able to scream on the internet maybe we'll do a live show um during the lottery so we got a lot of stuff that we're kind of thinking about but you know compared to some of our peers in the Mavs community we all have sort of different incentives uh to to do this sort of work and Josh and I just sort of need a break. I think after the last couple of years, I guess we didn't realize how much we've been doing stuff until we're like, Oh yeah, we, we started March of 2020 and just kind of went straight on through. (sighs) Uh, You got anything before we get out of here? Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, Yeah. Just looking forward to getting to that draft lottery because Lord knows what we're going to do. If uh, the ping pong balls don't bounce the maps way. And that 20% kicks in, but maybe I shouldn't even put that out into the... I love it. Opening. And I'm not like mentally prepared to go there, but I, I do oh. I do like it. Um, David Sanchez says, am I the only person that wants Brandon Miller more than anyone else in the draft? David, I have an all-problematic Mavs team that I've thrown out into the universe that includes like the Mavericks going and also signing the... Uh, the Charlotte Hornet that um, lost out on his like nearly hundred million dollar deal because of, of his abuse allegations, just all sorts of problematic Mavs. It'd be just, just a riot to, to cover. Um, all right. This has been, been a great time. Please go smash that uh, subscribe button. Tell your friends. We like doing these. I know that YouTube is not for everybody. At least that's how I feel. Cause I'm a thousand years old, but I'm enjoying this uh, and look for us at some point next week. And then look for me at some point on Thursday. Send me messages for what you prefer, and I will try to to accommodate to the people who are the most participatory. Everybody have a great rest of the week, and we will talk soon. Go Mavs. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.